Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Hi, Jim. I'm moving my head like Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Nobody else can see that, but I can. That's That's fine. Uh, so welcome to uh Bucketheadland. I I've heard. Uh yeah, yeah. I went to see Buckethead live. Let me let me get the uh let me get the uh housekeeping done first. So yes. if you're listening regularly, join the Practical Guitarist uh Facebook group and you can always review us on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play Store. Uh if you'd like to reach out to us directly, you can reach out to us via our email address at practicalguitaristpodcast at gmail.com. Which David so. has threatened so many times to uh, to change. It's, it's we coming. are going to change that. It's coming. It's coming. We'll keep it's the, old, like the, the old one to be active. But it's just we'll like the dragons on Game of Thrones, the dragons and zombies on Game of Thrones. They're finally they're finally here though. Season seven, yeah. Yep. The whites. So, um, yep. It's just so you can't you can't trust those whites on season seven <laughs> of Game of Thrones. But anyway, so um, outside of that. Uh, I went to see Buckethead on Monday, right? Monday. Yeah. And I gotta say that it was probably, it, it was, first of all, I was expecting a shred fest, and I was expecting to be bored and leaving maybe a half hour, 45 minutes into it. So what happened was my, um, the other guitar player in the band says, hey, Jim, you want to go see Buckethead with me? And I know what that means. It's I know nobody else that would go see well, this. Yeah, I, I know nobody alone. else will go, but I don't want to go alone. Right. Right. So please come with me. So uh-huh. I'm like, all right. So we go to see Buckethead, and um, I uh, get there, um, and he brings a friend. Now, oh yeah. So now I'm like, now you're like, what the hell? I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm like a, I'm like a third wheel jealous, you know, girlfriend. You know, at this point, I'm like. Why would you bring somebody else? And um, Jim, I know, right? And so I said, uh, of course, I know, I know his friend. You know, I'm not gonna, yeah, yeah, put his name out here without permission. But so I know the friend. We we've seen each other many times, so it's not a big deal. But I'm like, but you brought a friend. Of course, that was last minute. Now this was his buddy who had nothing going on tonight, who wanted to come because that's what he was doing. So now. It, and and Chris kept saying, "Oh, we're gonna nerd out. We're gonna nerd out. We're gonna nerd out." We get there, and it's like we're nerding out. And every time we talk about this stuff, you ever had like your cool friend that knows nothing about comics, and you're talking about the Avengers? Yeah, that's what he must have felt like. Uh huh. All he knew was what kind of booty was there. It's and- my wife. It's my wife all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's everybody I know because I'm the only guitar player that I like really hang out with. So yeah, I know it, it's it's hard because I've had, you know. The only guitar player I hang out with is him, and he's not a gearhead. So it's like, when I talk about gear, it's on... Well, anyway, so I get there, and I'm like, uh, you know what? I'm probably going to be bored. I mean, I've been known to leave a show relatively early because it's like, oh, geez, the shred fest has continued, and uh, my brain is just not up to this. And so, but I didn't. We stayed right to the end. And, and I said that to him, and he said the same thing. He said, yeah, I figured we'd leave halfway through the show when he did his thing but <clears throat> we, it was so good and it was so entertaining that we stayed and we yeah, both dude. couldn't stop talking about the nunchucks and the way he gave out prizes yeah like, I, 
I you didn't tell me I should get up there. I, and no, the Jim, I, I, I'm sorry, Jim, but you had to experience it the way that everybody else does, which is just go. Don't let anybody tell you what the hell's going to happen and just see it and be like, what the fuck is this? I was like, he's giving out. He's giving out toys. <laughs> Dude, in his kill switch, let me tell you, oh. I want to kill switch. Did you see him walk? So I don't know if he did this with you guys. Oh, yeah. He, he walks he out walked, to the audience and lets them touch it. He yeah. let them play chords and punch his kill yeah. switch. It was, yeah. I want to kill switch. I want to yeah, kill switch so bad right now. Jim, I'm so glad to hear you say this because you, you know you're admitting that like you went to a shred show and you liked it. I loved it. I loved every, you know what? <clears throat> that should be a Katy Perry song. You went to did. a shred show and you liked it. Yeah. Yeah, it was just like a Katy Perry song. And, and you know what's funny is, I, I swear to God, he did everything. Well, you know that he played like a lot of the Star Wars themes, you know? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, he played um, uh, the Disney thing. Because I guess as yep. a kid. And you wish upon a star. He was right near Disney. He grew up near Disney. Yeah, so he would go there all the time because he grew up right yeah. down the road. So, he, wants to, he wants to open his own amusement park. That's not. Okay, so they call it Bucketheadland, Land, but the whole thing is like. He actually really does want to legitimately open his own amusement park at some point. The guy is incredible. He was incredibly talented. Um, you know, it, they were actually female groupies, which I was like, really? You, you know, yeah, how, how the hell does that work? Like? <laughs> how the hell does that work? And they ran out because when he left the stage, they ran out from the place and ran around the building because this was just a little. Um, uh, it's It was at the Boathouse Live in um, Newport News, Virginia. Those who. <clears throat> so those who were ever in the service or anything in this area might remember the boathouse, which was in Norfolk, down on the waterfront. Well, this guy in Newport News wanted to open one because when the boathouse closed in Norfolk, there was no place for acts of that level to go. You know, we could get the big acts and we could get the really small acts, but there was nothing in between. And so uh, this guy opened this place, and it's it's really nice. I was I was surprised. Um, I'm willing to bet you could get about a thousand people in there. He had about half full, and <clears throat> I was expecting, first of all, because he's so tall, there is yeah. a bad seat in the house. That's right, because he's like seven foot two. He's fucking he's, huge. He's really tall, really thin, rail Even thin. without the bucket, okay, people? Yes, he was very tall. I'm willing to bet you he's closing on seven feet without the bucket. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and uh, very thin, rail thin. I know that he's um, yeah. he's got some health problems right now, right, with his heart? Yeah. And, he, but I was expecting someone because of the way he wears the bucket and the mask. I was expecting someone to just stand there and like I'm putting ten feet between you and me, and I'm not gonna. I don't want you near me. I don't want. No, the guy was so right. He was so engaging. He was like, "Come over here, touch my guitar. Go ahead." This he is knows not- he has to do that in order to make it work. It, it, like yeah. if he was to walk around the stage and he doesn't stand still. Right, no, he not at all. He's dancing, he's doing the robot and stuff half the time, and like, it's I, it's cool. It's like watching, it's watching Jason Voorhees or yes. Michael Myers uh, dance like Michael Jackson, <laughs> uh, do nunchucks like like um, uh, Bruce, Bruce Lee, Lee. Yep. and you know, like it's all these different performers rolled into one. He's just taking all these different things from his life and like. Rolled it into his performance. Even the rubber chicken. And yes. dude, you gotta admit, oh my God, the, little the, hand, ru- the hand puppet is the best thing told, of all when night. When you told me about the pu- I'm expecting this stupid pup. That was hilarious. Oh. I yeah, dude, pictures. and it totally protects his chainsaw massacre. Like, that whole, oh, yeah. like, sound clip. Yeah. Yeah, and he's got the, 
and he had the chicken. The chicken said, oh, we're going to take a quick 20-minute break. We will be right yeah. back. <laughs> and he had a chicken over on the side of the stage. <laughs> now, from what I understand, because I have never seen him. So I saw him perform with Guns N' Roses years ago. Yep. So I knew kind of what to expect, because even playing with Guns N' Roses, he still did the robot stuff. And uh, he got a little solo section where he played the Star Wars tunes and and did the uh, Wish Upon a Star and all that. Yep. And it was really cool. But like that was not the full performance, even though he'd get the nunchucks out at the end and all that. Like it right. was just a condensed version of his normal show. Yep. So I'd always had it on my short list to go see him. Um, <laughs> the technically talented guitar player was, but I never understood. Like he's one of the few guys where, and maybe it's not just him, but like. You have to go to get the full experience yeah. because it doesn't make sense without it. No, no, I couldn't. Now, this is the other side. I couldn't see me buying the album, but I can tell you right now, if he comes to town again, I'm going to go see him. Yeah, and exactly. And that's that. I think that's the way he wants it. Yeah, it was. It was completely <clears throat> um, amusing, um, entertaining, um, engaging. I didn't see a single person there that was like, you know what, I'm bored or I'm leaving. I didn't see anybody leave. If anything, I saw people added to the show, which I just thought, wow, this is, this is amazing. And I, I kind of wish I would have seen him with a trio. But then again, on the other side of that, why? Who cares what the other people do? Well, that's the thing. He doesn't really tour with musicians anymore. He used right. to. Right. And part of that is like, if you heard, you heard his music the other night, a lot of it's synth oriented and yeah. it's basically just backing tracks. Yep. And, and, you know, you talk about it being a shred fest, like so much of what he does is like melodic ballads too. Right. It's not a shred fest. That was what, that's what I was getting at. It wasn't a shred fest. He played the new, the, the Orleans dance with me. Yeah. Somebody was like, what song is that? And I'm listening to go, oh my God, that's dance with me. I mean, I'm like, you know, dance with me. I want to be a partner. Can't you see? Yeah. And I'm like, that, who put? You don't hear Satriani playing something like that or Vi playing something like that. It's just not to say, I mean, they're, yeah, they're all different. Don't nobody. I'm not trying to compare anybody. So fans well, don't jump up and no, say, that, oh, my God, but that's what. But that's so like, that's the thing here. We we talked about Buckethead in uh, the performance art episode a while back. Yep. And I think artists that deliver a total package yep. are typically the ones that you find winning Grammys and things like that. Right. Uh, I think I think Buckethead's actually won a Grammy. I may be wrong on that. He definitely has the respect of his peers. I think but, you're right about the Grammy. But Vi, like for example, his shows, like his on stage shows, are better than his albums. Like that's that's kind of what the point is. And right. so a lot of these guys, you can listen to the records and not get into it, but you go to see the show and you're like, oh damn. The one guy I think that's the exception to that. I think Vi, or I think Satriani's better on record than he is live. I think it's the complete opposite way because he's still kind of like he's very reserved about how he performs. Let's put it that way. He's right. he's not doing guitar tosses and, you know, bringing up people from the audience to compose music on stage and all this kind of craziness like Vi does. And, of course, Buckethead is, you know, he's got his own little performance thing, which is almost kind of reminiscent of early Genesis where, you know, Peter Gabriel was switching out the masks and doing yep. the whole stage theatrics um even to an extent guys like freddie mercury brought that theatrical element to it and he was often prancing and dancing on stage in certain ways that like get the audience involved in different in a different format than just watching the music i guess what i'm trying to say is rock and roll has always been a visual art yes and from we from the day that. that that from the first day that elvis presley swang his hips on television mm -hmm. 
We often forget that, though. It's so easy because it's an audio medium, and the vast right. majority of the way we consume music is through, you know, CDs or, or MP3s or, you know, what have you, the radio. I mean, you don't see a visual representation of what's going on. Yeah. Uh, now, there are guys like Mark Knopfler who would probably argue against that, saying, look, no, the fact is that we've consumed it that way. You have to be good that way in order for people to like you. Right. And I think there is a little element of that there. But he was the guy, you know, I bring him up because he was a big champion of the anti MTV movement. Um, I'm not, I'm not advocating for like small form movies like, like music videos used to be. Uh, I'm, I'm advocating for live performance. So that's the thing. Like when you go to see a band, you want to see what they look like on stage. You want to see how they act and how they react to the music, whether they're crying during a ballad or, you know, those, those things are, um, that's really important to our, our, our ability to consume this music. And I think it's largely lost. I mean, honestly, so many people, like if you listen to only pop music and I know everybody knows somebody who only listens to Katy Perry and you know, whatever's on the top 40 right now, they're missing out on what it really means to like music, which is to, to enjoy it as a performance art. Um, I would make no bones about going to opera right now. Like that's, it's a performance art. Well, you know, okay, so you mentioned Katy Perry, um, and there's so many, I mean, so I've seen Pink, um, you know, and I've seen uh, Madonna back in the day. I can tell you this, you know, I know that Madonna was lip-syncing most of that stuff uh, back then, back in the 80s, but it didn't matter. Because she put on a good show. Her heart and soul into that show. Everything she did, regardless of whether it was choreographed from the day before or not, was an incredible show. Same with um, when I saw Pink. She got up there and she hung from a um, circus thing and yeah. then came down. But when she, uh, and I was like, no, is she, if she, I know there's some tracks going on here, but then again, we're listening to guitar players that do that. I mean, we know every rapper in the world, every rapper in the world performs the tracks. So, because um, there's a DJ over there controlling them. Yeah. But what I'm going to get, what I'm getting at is here, that that then she broke it down. I think every musician feels like they have to do this. Um, but she broke it down and she just sat there with her guitar player and sang, um, you know. Yeah, completely you, you brought that down. up on the show before. Yeah. Um and that's not that's not a new thing. I mean nope. Nope. even going back to the eighties, like Queen used to do uh Love of My Life that way. Right. Like Brian May would come out and play twelve string guitar and Freddie Mercury would literally kill the house. Oh that and it was probably the most personal song he ever wrote. So it, it, it just reaches right in there and grabs you by the heart. Yeah. Right yeah. Up. But the, but the, but the point is that they stripped it back and they were known for using tracks. They right. used uh, tracks for Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, of course. Um, and they other songs. They walked off the stage during the big. Yeah. Well, they, they wanted to make it very obvious. Because, we're not actually performing this. Right. They didn't want you to think, you know, that's what ticked me off when I saw, um, uh, we all know that the that most of the uh, Super Bowl shows are tracked. Yeah, yeah. Now, th- those who want to sit up and ah, they shouldn't be blah, blah, blah. shut up. That's hard to do. You're in the moment, and you've got to get it done. And it's got to be fast. Got to be a quick setup, quick breakdown, and it's got to be perfect. I get that. Yep. But here's the thing that that bothers me. <laughs> here's the thing that bothers me is that. Um, when um, when Flea, uh, the, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, were on uh, 
the Super Bowl halftime show, they made it super apparent that they were not playing. Yeah, they, it was just douchebaggery. They did, yeah, they did. We all we all knew it going in. You didn't have to show it, you know. Right, <clears throat> but that was that was real douchebaggery. And I know that they were trying to make a statement, and you know, and all this other stuff. But that was really kind of being douchey. Hey, I don't, I don't recall, but Princeton lip sync though, right? I mean, if, if no. I recall, he actually played. Yes, and he played. but he's one of the few guys that could do that. <laughs> but you know, the the sound and everything else that you're trying to control, you got to think about that place. So I've got friends, you know, we've all got a friend that's gone to a Super Bowl, so I'm not the only one. But I heard a friend who was at the last Super Bowl, and who was it? T- Justin Timberlake, right? Last year. Yeah, I'm a big. I, I've got a man crush on Justin Timberlake, so. Um, <laughs> He to me, he's an incredible performer, incredible sure. singer. It, it, no, I agree. Drop him into anything; he can sing it. And um, just yep. uh, they were. He was talking about that. It was a great show. He said live in the in the stadium. It was a fantastic show. He and he had a decent seat. Well, the reason why dollars, I guess you should. Oh yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Uh, the reason why I brought up Prince though is because Prince plays in venue. Well, when he was alive, mm-hmm. played in venues like that all the time. Right. Even though he wasn't on the Billboard Hot 100 for the for the last 10 to 15 years of his career, right? He was still playing stadiums, right? And that's unbelievable to me. But the thing is, like, there was one concert DVD where he literally was performing in the center of a stadium, right. and I, when I watched that, I go, "That's exactly why he gets to, you know, he gets to do the Super Bowl and not have to lip sync." That's because right. even bands as big as Tom Petty, like when they did it. Yep. Tom Petty's band was not comfortable playing in a venue that size. It no. just it just doesn't normally happen. Nope. There are a few bands that are. Queen's right. one of them. They sold right. out Wembley three days in a row. And oh, Wembley's geez. bigger than any football stadium we have here in the States. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's <clears throat> It's just incredible to see that kind of thing. Again, you know, but that goes to live performances. You know, uh, so I'm going to bring it to Kiss, the band Kiss. Sure. So I've seen Kiss live so many times I, I can't count. Probably 12, 15 times live. And the last time I saw them live, I took my kids. They loved it. They loved it. Sure. And, and it's a hell of a show. Little kids, right. They put on one hell of a show. Here's the thing about Kiss. Gene Simmons, love him or hate him, his mantra was, you play to an audience, no matter how big or small, like it's the biggest audience you will ever play to, like it's sure. the biggest show, the most important show of your life. I, mean, I, I never, I never distinguish when I go on stage. Like I don't even look at the crowd to see how big it is. It's yeah. just my thing. Just like I'm just going to do what I do, and that's it. That's right. And the thing is that you know we've all been to, especially the weekend warrior thing, which is what I do. I mean, let's face it. I'm a, I'm a uh, cover band guy. Um, <clears throat> and I, I see these bands that go out there and they do it night after night. My band is smart about it. We know that we don't want to do it all the time. So we plan it that we play one day a weekend, um, and we only play about every other. Sometimes we'll do three weekends in a month. Yeah. Often. And the reason is twofold. Number one, we're not Tom Petty. We know we're asking people to come out, our fans come out and see us. We don't have the expectation that we're going to get um, 80 people, 60, 80 people. Every time we go out. Every single night. Yeah, exactly. Two right. nights a week, you know, so on and so forth. Now, there are bands that do that, but they... Yeah, you're talking they, about oversaturation. Right. They work their ass off. The thing about um, that I'm getting at is we have... Um, there's so many... Uh, how do I call them? Um, uh, where they just stare at the floor. They're 
Shoegazers. Right, shoegazers. Thank you. So many shoegazer bands. They have no connection to the audience. They're like, oh, it's another night. The guitar player sitting down. I don't care what you've got going down. It's just like if you have to ride a trike, you shouldn't be on a motorcycle. And if you have to sit down while you perform, you know what? You, you're not an engaged. I'm not saying that you can't play guitar, but don't get up front. Sit in the back. Go back there with the drummer. Go be that. That only works. That only works in certain situations, like where you have a front man mm-hmm. who is clearly supposed to be the center of attention. I a la Genesis um, with Peter Gabriel, like ni- 1974 and prior. Um, Steve Hackett used to sit on a stool at the front of the stage, off to the left of. Um, but he was kind of out of view. The center. No, no, he's he's almost in the center of the stage. But the thing is. Peter Gabriel's larger than life. He's got the masks on. He's dancing right. around. He's doing. He's, he's the costumes. total focus of all the attention, That's which is I'm why saying. it worked. Did you ever see? Okay, did you ever see ACDC live? Yeah, which uh, just the live. Like, it it live. doesn't matter whether you saw it. In yeah, DVD I've seen or, plenty, of, plenty of them. Yeah. yeah. All right. Do you ever notice that when what is what is the lead singer doing when Angus Young's got a solo? He's usually out of play. He's letting Angus take over. He's That's usually right. stepping back into the he, back row. He and, steps back. And right. What does Angus do when when the lead singer is singing lead? He he backs up and lets he, him take out the front. That's right. He backs up or he goes over to one side of the stage or the other. Yeah, it, it's about that dynamic of and, and if you've ever seen ACDC live personally, it's just an incredibly and energetic experience. It's like okay, so <clears throat> I'll give you my first. Well, not my first band, but um, well. One of my first bands was Pink Floyd. Right. And that was disastrous because that was the spitting incident. The, the, that was back when Roger Waters spit on the audience. Oh, you, you saw that? Yeah, I so saw you that saw that show. happen. Yeah. I was young. Um, and I was that, but anyway, so if you look at, if you fast forward to where we are today, um, uh, bands need to be able to engage. When I when I saw the first time, I I wasn't a big Blue Oyster Cult fan till I saw them live, and then it yeah. was like, holy crap! They did Godzilla. Yeah, they were really good in the early days live. Like, oh, um, I saw them a few years ago uh, when when uh, the other singer was still alive. Um, oh yeah, and it was it was a good show, but it wasn't. I would. It's not like super memorable for me. Like no. I've had a lot of other shows that are way more memorable. Right, but when I saw them in the in the, I guess right it was the in early, the late seventies or early eighties, yeah, they were like been, they were off the charts. Yeah, right. this would have been. It was right around Godzilla, and yeah. uh, so they had Godzilla and they did the whole long version of Godzilla, and the lights went down, and the Godzilla yeah. head was in the background. It had the big glowing eyes. It was ah, and then they had the guitars with the light laser light yeah. things. They were like do 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 do, and. It had nothing to do with music. <laughs> well, and the, and the thing is, all that shit now is dead, and yeah. and grunge killed a lot. Yeah. I, I I hate you know if if you don't believe me, uh, grunge killed a lot of it. Look, it did anything prior to grunge. What what did we have? We had the most ostentatious, visually representative form of music we've ever had, which was hair metal. If you saw right Iron down Maiden, to the fashion, yeah. If you saw Iron Maiden live back in the day, even now actually, but. Yeah, they back still the day, do all that. And every time I saw them, um, they had the album uh, art live in 3D, huge on the stage. So when I saw Peace of Mind, you know there was, um, uh, you know the 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 whole, um, you know, because that was 
that had where equals dare and everything else from that. Yeah. And uh, when I saw what was it, a uh, power slave, that was incredible. Oh, they, yeah. They had the the pyramids. They had the whole yeah. nine yards. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Two minutes to midnight. I got to go. Now I got to go see Maiden next time they're in town because I've been putting oh. it off for years. Oh, oh and and the zip lines because yeah. Iron Maiden has zip lines and and you got you know. Uh, Bruce Dickinson he, has not slowed down. It's he's still like, doing it. His hair is gray now, completely yeah. gray, and he's like ziplining. I remember seeing him with the long, flowing hair. Yeah. And the, yeah. Uh, he would come out, he'd roll to the hills. <laughs> I was like, yes. Oh, this is so cool. <laughs> For so many people where the iconography and what, what, you know, metal and hard rock should have been at that time. And yeah. then you had... And then actually, I would argue even bands like Metallica and stuff right after they came out, they yeah. did not have the visual representation that a band like Iron Maiden did. No. It almost died with like Iron Maiden and, and uh, Judas Priest, save for the big hair metal acts like Poison, oh, you Winger. Know, <clears throat> G- Judas Priest had, I mean, Rob yeah. Halford came out with the leather, <laughs> and he had the Harley Davidson, he would ride out on the stage, and, it, and they had the big... You know, thing is a turbo lover. You go, oh, I'm your turbo lover, and a big thing, and of course, screaming for vengeance. And- now I'm gonna embarrass the shit out of myself, but I like <sighs> can't think of a modern current band. But even like Mastodon, I watched them, and they're fun to watch. But the thing is, like, there's nothing going on in that show, right? That's just guys playing music. You know, like yeah. I could see that, but come right. on, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a shredding band their due when it comes to that Dragon Force. Oh yeah, yeah, Dragon. Those guys are pretty good. On the show. Those guys are putting on a show. Dream Theater puts on a show. It's, no, I've seen them. I disagree. It's not as yeah. That's what I was gonna say. It's not like now if you took Dream Theater and Queensrÿche, Queensrÿche. Well, yeah. The old I haven't seen well, new Queensrÿche. Yeah. So. When Queensrÿche started, yeah. And Operation Mindcrime came out. Yeah. Live was incredible, and there is a live DVD of that live show too. Yeah, I so. have. It. Yeah. I, I would highly recommend your favorite bands. If you're listening to bands on on record and you haven't seen them live, number one, go see them live. Right. Number two, because uh, you're putting money in their pockets. That, that and is the, the real is, support these days for your bands. Go right. See so them live. And then if you haven't seen them live and you really want to see them live and they don't come to your town like Jim, where nobody ever comes except for Buckethead once and then Blue Moon, then yep. get a get a live DVD. Like, at least know that they're actually a good band, because a lot of times you'll get the live DVD and you'll listen to them and you'll see them and you'll be like, wow, this is boring as shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was I was lucky enough or unlucky enough, as some people might say, to have seen Sticks back in the day. I saw um, Journey back in the day. Um, Journey was just a party band. They, they were a lot of fun. Yeah, Motley Crue. Yeah. I saw Motley Crue during the um, St. But they have now become a party band for like the older people from that generation. Yeah, to go drink and you know have a party. Yeah, there was so okay. We're on a podcast, so I can say things that aren't that aren't. Um, even though it's Mother's Day, that you wouldn't say to your mother. This so, this is explicit. We can fucking say whatever we want, Jim. Right. So, um, <laughs> Tommy came out and he had a titty cam. He called it the titty cam. Oh my God. <laughs> and he goes, "Show us your tits." <laughs> and this oh guy God. in the front row. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. Now that's that funny. He's like, because he's like, yeah, yeah. And this guy pulls up his shirt, and so Tommy goes, "Yeah, look at the tits on that guy." <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so it's it, such horrible horse shit. It was, it, you know, because remember the eighties. Oh my god. Oh, if you I listen remember. to, um, of course he passed away, but the lead singer from uh, Rat, 
was um I think he passed didn't he pass away? Warren Dimartini. No, Warren Dimartini was a guitar player. Oh. Um I'm trying to remember what the lead singer's no, name I was. He's still around, didn't he? The the now I know that the, the rhythm guitar player died. He passed away. He had AIDS. Full blown. Yeah. Um and that was back in the day when they didn't know what to do and they didn't have any way of helping folks. It was kinda like, you know, in the Freddie Mercury time frame and that. Um but he was destitute. When he when he passed away, he was completely destitute. No, Stephen Percy is still alive. He's the singer. Oh, that's Stephen Percy? Okay. Yeah. Oh, you listen to him and it's just I don't That was a band I, I was listening to Eddie Trunk the other day talking about what killed eighties eighties hair bands and it did it, some of it did kind of kill itself. You had get, bands like um uh not Rat. Rat was great. Um Botley Crew was great. But you had bands that had no talent, and they were throwing money at them because they had big hair and a guitar player that could play really fast. And I'm trying to come up with one, but it, it was the one where the guy had the um, uh, the crotch thing that was just terrible. Yeah, go ahead. I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, he, but I was looking at the Wikipedia page for, uh, and this is going to take us off track for a second, but um, I was looking for the Wikipedia page for uh, Stephen Percy. Yep. And it, of course, they mentioned Dokken in there. So yeah. I went to Dokken, because I think he did a tour with him or something. Anyway, yeah. I went to, I went into the Dokken page, and, I, and I'm looking just because I know who's in the band. Like, I just curious what they're up to. And I see Jeff Martin on drums. Did you know Jeff Martin was the singer for Racer X with Paul was Gilbert? Really? Yeah, yeah, he was the singer. Right. That's right. I saw, you know, so um, Eddie Trunk, like I said, you didn't really take us off. So Eddie Trunk was talking about how 80s metal died like that. It was just overnight. Oh, yeah. One yeah, day. Well, I think people were just tired of it. Like, yeah, No, I don't think, no. I, I, here's what I think happened. Okay, so, um, because I lived through a few deaths of music. Yeah, different, different genres. and Okay. So... There was arena rock, and arena rock punk came in, and punk killed arena rock. Right. There was disco, and then people were like, "Oh, disco's awful!" So they kind of came up. It was more of a pop rock. It was a reaction, right? Right. And you had southern rock that kind of came up during that thing. But I'll tell you, so the same exact thing happened each time. All of a sudden, Boston sucked. Yesterday, Boston was great. Today, Boston sucks. Yesterday, Pink Floyd was awesome. Today, Pink Floyd is, ah, they're arena rock. We don't want to talk to them. Matter of fact, that was the whole wall thing, was the reaction. It was an unfortunate kind of weird reaction to arena rock because it could only be done in arenas because you needed all that room to build the wall. Sure, sure. Roger Waters, I'm not sure. He was the kind of guy, he was like this guy I knew in the Navy. I said, he kept whining about not being at home. I said, why did you join the Navy? Well, I didn't want to leave home. Well, anyway. <laughs> the, the classic quote from, from Waters is, when Dark Side of the Moon hit and we became famous, we had to stop and think about whether we were really communists or not. Yeah, and he, they, kept the, they kept the money. So <laughs> he, was a com- well, he was a communist. No, he wasn't, because he kept all the money. <laughs> well, yeah. So the, well, his, his mantra was that he was a communist until all of a sudden— he got a lot of money. Yeah, until they handed him, you know, millions of dollars, and he's like, oh, screw communism. Yeah. Okay, I'm a socialist. Well, not really. I guess <laughs> I'm a I don't like to give my money to the government either. <laughs> but if you hear him, he, that's why I can't listen to the guy talk about his politics. Uh, yep. I'll just keep singing and playing bass. 
writing cool songs. Shut up. Do you really think he, so? So as an aside, somebody like Roger Waters, when they put out their political opinions there, do you really think he believes what he says, or is it just part of like an act that he carries on for his um, the sake of his role in the music industry? Like if he came out today and said he was a capitalist and that he was sorry for acting like a communist all these years, like that would destroy him in the face of his fans. I think it would. So he so he has to kind of keep up appearances, even though he is taking the money. Yeah, I think I think that's part of it. But <clears throat> what I was getting at there is that when um, when a certain type of music dies and tomorrow it's it's horrible. What's happening now? We're getting a resurgence of that music. Sure. All of a sure. sudden, Cobra Kai. Cool. Yeah, Cobra Kai. It's I loved Cobra all Kai. All over there. Yeah, it was it was fun. But all over it is like Dawkins and like yeah. all these '80s metal bands. And they had some Ario Speedwagon. And then yeah, yeah. they're riding together, and he goes. Who doesn't like REO? <laughs> yeah. I was a huge REO Speedwagon fan. So I love that. I love the um the reference. I kinda I I really felt bad when uh the guitar player died. But um there there's all this stuff um that we see um grunge died. I was like grunge wasn't cool. Yeah. And then we had emo and we had screamo and we had new metal and we had you know <clears throat> And I honestly think, believe it or not, I think this simplistic pop is a reaction um, because what's, what's big now? It's not that pop stuff. Cause when I, and I oh, can't it's, it's, stand this indie shit. Oh, I'm indie. <laughs> You're not indie. You are, you are a pop artist. Shut up. It, and, and every singer has to sound like they're taking a crap. It's like, I love my... I mean, come on, you can sing. Yeah. Stop sounding like you're shitting all over the mic, and and get out there and belt out a tune. Jeez, I hate that. Sorry, but I really do hate yeah. indie music. I hate indie. The 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 whole because the Indigo Girls were indie. They were they were good. Now we have these people that want to call themselves indie, but all they are is hipsters. With a well, what about REM? Guitar. What about REM? REM was, that was, I guess they were calling it like collegiate rock or. Yeah, but my whole thing with REM is that was independent rock. It was. Like very much so, more so than most bands. And so if you want to call somebody independent, I actually could even argue Radiohead is an independent rock band because they don't use a label. They record their own shit, release it their own way. Like it's not so much a style of music so much as a way of doing things. That's the way I look at it. And I, I agree with you there. And the thing is that, unfortunately, right now, there's a bunch of people calling themselves indie. A style not, of music, right? They are not indie. So let's let's talk a little bit about, okay, so I'm not, first of all, I'm not one of those, you know, people who grew up and goes, oh, that musician isn't good enough to blah, 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 because I didn't get my chance. Hey, I didn't take my chance. I, <clears throat> I was a, um, a bit of a, a wussy, and I did not go after the big thing. So I didn't. I went in the Navy and I did my thing and I didn't, I, you know, Jim, I had a wife Jim, I'm a sure whatever you did was great for everybody because you went and defended our country. Right. So and, and thank you for that. Well, I, I appreciate that. I honestly do. And, and um, so I'm not one of those bigger musicians that's sitting there going, oh, I spent my life doing this and now I've got nothing to show for it, you know? Now, yeah. Leave that to me. Yeah. There you go. And now, <laughs> um, no, but seriously, there are a lot of those folks around here, you know? So that's not why I'm, calling those people out. I'm just saying that, that don't call yourself indie 
when Arista Records or, or Atlantic Records or um, is releasing MCI, your record. Right. You have a label. Yeah, you have a you label. Know. Don't call yourself indie. You're not indie anymore. And don't call You're just yourself, labeling yourself indie. Right, and don't call yourself indie when you co-sing on um, Pink's album or you're co-sing on Katy Perry's album. You're not indie. Yeah, anymore. that's the one that gets me. I'm indie, but I'm indie, but I have songwriters. What the fuck? <laughs> exactly. That was like um uh so the guys from South Park, they they wanted to consider themselves the punk rock of um comedy. And so they were like, okay. We're we're punk. And then all of a sudden they realized we're not punk anymore. We're just as mainstream as anybody else. You yeah. see what I mean? And and well, but they on the fringes for so long if you become pot if you're on the fringes and you become see i never got right. into that shit let me be honest with you i think there's really only two types of things there's conformist and non-conformist right and if you're non-conformist by choosing not to conform guess what you just conformed you just so like rush said you know even if you choose not to decide you've still made a choice so right that i i paraphrase that but and so the the um the fact is that we're we're only young for this much time. It's so small. It's microcosmic, and we're only yeah. able to be "quote unquote" cool for such a limited time. And then all of a sudden, don't believe us. How many bands do you know that are cool that have members above the age of fifty? Right, and that started above fifty. Exactly. Exactly, and that's that's what I'm getting at. And so, yeah. It, I'm again. Uh, Buckethead's what? He was born in '69, so he's 49 years old. Yeah, he's like, he's yeah. He's uh, I think he's yeah, like at least 49. I think he's 49. like 52. Yeah, no, I but, think, okay. Yeah, so he's because I'm 54 yeah. this year, and he's five years younger than I am. So, um, so he's either 54 or, or 40, 48 or 49. But be, but he's unique because he's got the gimmick. He can get away with it. Now, Buckethead's yes. never going to be a. A, a, a Billboard Top 100 guy. No, Buckethead makes his money by touring annually and making a decent amount of money touring annually. And he is an indie musician. Absolutely, he doesn't rely on major labels. He doesn't rely on songwriters. He does it all himself in his own studio or with studio time that he purchases out of his pocket. Um, that's how he's got like 72 albums. Um, yeah, and he releases like five a year. It's ridiculous. Oh yeah, that's what um, I'm saying. He releases more albums a year than you know than the number of times I buy toilet paper. It's crazy. Well, but he, to, <laughs> to be fair, he has more talented in a single hair on his head than I have on my entire body. Oh yeah. So yeah, he's in, he's incredible. So <clears throat> I think what we're getting at is, folks, if you you know get out there and and see some live music. I, I the next show I'm going to, although I may go see. Go ahead. You want to say something? I'm. Oh no! I'm blocking out my wife. She's oh. in the background. <laughs> um, I uh, I'm going to see Def Leppard and um, oh, what's the other uh, Def Leppard Journey? And I think it's cool okay. that what they're doing is they're taking opposing nights and they're opening for each other. So if yeah, Journey yeah. opens one night, Def Leppard opens the next night, so on and so forth. No, and both of those bands are of a very high caliber. Um, I could totally see them like coming to a, a unanimous decision that, hey, I really don't want to open up for you, and you really don't want to open up for us, so we'll just draw straws and see who gets it tonight. That's right. Yep, we'll take turns. I think that's incredible. Yeah. I think it's great. And and it's the kind of show I know I'm going to be there the whole time. It'll be three hours long, right. and I'm going to love every minute of it. I know I love it. 
Just just because you're going to see Phil Collins, you're going to be like, ooh, look, I have his guitar. Mm. Oh, Phil Collins, I love you. Um, Here, let me put my pinky firmly in air for you, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> Phil Collins, my, my uh, other man crush. So um, then there's, uh, let's see, um, uh, what's her face is coming here? Um, oh, come on, Jim, you can see her. She has St. Vincent is coming. Oh, okay. Awesome. And I'm thinking about going to that. That's it's the night before I close on my house. That's the the gal you want to go see. Buckethead for ladies. <laughs> like not Buckethead as a lady, not yes. for ladies, as a lady. Yeah. I I honestly Pretty think much. I would enjoy that. Um so I might go see that. Yeah, she's she's kind of like a new wavy Joan Jet. Yeah. Yeah. I you know, everything I've seen of her, the live footage I've seen is really good. So um yeah, there's a there's some good stuff coming. Um, excuse me. This week, um, so then there's bands you should not go see. Usually, I would say um, when it comes to to uh, um, politics, I would say you know what, I don't care politics or politics. Leave that outside and and just go see your favorite bands. You know, if sure. you don't like the way that they they had bands, you know, like. ACDC's songs were all about sex. You know, I mean, every song they had that was huge yeah. was about sex or about um, just being straight up rock and roll. Wait, you mean you mean Love in an Elevator is about having sex in an elevator? Yeah, see, Aerosmith, yeah, another one. Holy shit, I didn't I realize that. I can't believe it. Aerosmith had a song about sex. But, um, uh, yeah, we were talking about it, so we were, um, I'll bring that up in a second. Because it's a different, a, a different thing about lyrics being changed. But, um, so, David Allen Coe was playing in the same place White as Buckethead. Whitesnake. No, no, no. David Allen Coe oh, was a uh, country. You're right. He, he did right. a song called... I know he um, is. He's the outlaw country guy. Yeah, yes. he did a thing with, uh, with Pantera, too. I know he is. I, was, yeah. I don't know why I was thinking David Coverdale when you said Alan Coe. But. Yeah, <laughs> David Coverdale was White Snake. No, I know who, who uh, Alan Coe is. Yeah, I'm, I'm very familiar with his work. Um, Marston, of all people, Marston was the lead guitar player for White Snake in the beginning. Yes, yes, I know. A lot of people don't they know. They had he's a lot that, of great He's the one that wrote all those players. riffs. That then, then in the videos, they didn't put Marsden out there. They put some young guy, yeah. young, some young skinny guy who was like, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. actually Marsden, this little short dumpy guy. <laughs> well, you know, you know, Vi was uh, one of his guitar players too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was uh, that. That was a great time for them. That was right after he left uh, Roth, right? Yeah, I think so. He left David Lee Roth right out. I think I think so. I think okay. so. He wasn't in that band very long. No, no. He went boom, boom, boom. He went from Zappa to Roth to White Snake to phew, he went out and did his own thing. Yeah. Um, uh, before before that he was in Alcatraz. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. He was in Alcatraz. Did he replace um He replaced Ingve. He did. He did replace Miles. He said that was the worst night he ever had in his life because he came out and everybody was mad because they're like, where's Ingve? Yep. Yeah, I can imagine that. I I saw some people that just wouldn't go see David Lee Roth because um, uh, Steve Vai was playing all those EVH parts. 
I'd rather see Steve I play him. Yeah. Yeah, I was fine with it. I saw Eddie Van Halen in the day. I saw them back in the, you know, in the heyday of, uh, so I, and I thought they were great. I'm sure they were. What I was saying about David Allen Coe, that's one guy I would not go see. When I went to, um, when I went to A school or C school in San Diego in the um, early 80s, um, my roommate was playing this song. I could not believe it back then, even back then, I could not believe he was playing this song. And I'm not going to repeat the, the lyrics on here, but let's just say that I could not believe that David Allen Coe is playing in Portsmouth, Virginia, or did play in Portsmouth. And we didn't have a race riot. That's all I can, I'm going to say. If yeah, you look up David uh, Allen Coe, the first song that comes into YouTube is going to be the one you go, oh, that's why. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you know, I was really surprised that that Pantera did anything with him too. Yeah, he's because he's an awful person. They were known for not being hillbilly racists, right. despite their image being you know the Texas guitar players. Like no, I don't. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think that everybody can change, and maybe he changed, and maybe over time he, you know, he let that go. Well, you got to understand. So, so, uh, Dime and and uh, I'm having a moment. Him and his brother, they right. were not. Uh, they were they were the sons of right. country royalty. Yeah. So. To somebody like them, David Allen Coe might be like Uncle Jim, you know. Right, right. <laughs> He's just crazy, but we work with him anyway. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, it was kind of like um, when when Metallica um, worked with uh, what was his name? Uh, which one? The the uh, not Ray. Ray. You talking about Bob? You talking Lou. about Lou? Um, Lou. Ray. Oh, okay. Uh, uh. Well, there's another guy that's a racist too, but we're not going to get into that. Lou Reed, not a, not a racist, but he had racial overtones in his yes, music. He did, but his music was supposed to be satiric, satirically racist, and I don't think it came across. Well, the problem is being satirical on, in any event. There's a being an English major, there there is an an implication there that the audience understands that it's satire. Right. And what could happen in two hundred years is if you're listening, and that and that's kind of where I'm at right now. You know, right. I I was not alive when Lou Reed was making his music, uh, for the most part. And so to go back and listen right. to some of the stuff he did as Velvet Underground and later on in the you know sixties, seventies, and eighties, like I'm seeing this through the prism of not knowing that he was being satirical. And so it then becomes this whole other thing, which is why that's a problem in in art satire it has to be obvious right exactly and that's why south park takes it to the extremes they do because they right. want it to be as obvious as possible that they were being satirical right they understand it yeah they get that you know i i don't know who is who is the one band if you had the chance you haven't seen them that okay it's the it's the desert island band you're gonna die in two weeks Chance to see one band between now and then. Who do you got to go see? Who are you going to fly Is around it, the world to go see? Living or dead? Uh, let's say living first. Because oh. you weren't alive when Jimi Hendrix was yeah, around. Yeah, so you didn't even have so, the chance. Like, <laughs> if I could see King Crimson, maybe, yeah. or somebody like that. Like, I have the opportunity to go to King Crimson. I could make that a reality now. Right. Uh, but the tickets are very expensive, and frankly, I, it's not a show that I would pay a bunch of money to go see, but I do want to see them. Um, if I had to pick somebody else, 
<sighs> Shoot. I don't know. Maybe maybe Steve Eisman. Okay. Like I, I just because I haven't seen him before, you know. Um, for the most part, like I don't, I'm not coveting any particular specific bands and seeing them live. And it'll probably kick my ass later. I'll probably post it in the show notes. Yep. You know, David forgot about. <laughs> okay, so dead, <laughs> dead. In other words, they're not around. Uh, the, door, the doors, the doors, the doors, without question. Okay, that's an interesting choice. I would have picked you. I would have pictured you to say the original Who lineup or uh, or Hendrix. Um, no, no, those are, believe me, there's a lot of guys from the 60s that I would like to choose. But if I had to pick one to bring back from the dead, Jim Morrison and, and Ray Manzarek, the doors. Yeah. They're not even, Ray's not even a guitar player. No. Like, that's no, but the, where I'm at in my musician stuff now. Like, well, I'm he, not even listening to guitar players as much. He was the bass player. <laughs> yeah. Well, except in the studio. They did, buy, they yes. did hire bass players. They the hired studio, bass players to, to play in the studio. The the live stuff's cool because you because you know there's no bass player on there. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's what that's what makes it interesting. I think my um, as far as a live goes, um, if he had another show, and I could get the cash together, it would definitely be um, David Gilmore one more time because I did not see the last tour. Um, I was lucky enough to see the final Pink Floyd tour on the first. That's that's Gilmore. respectable. Yep. Um, as far as Dead goes, oh, that would be that would be a hard one because believe it or not, it might be to see Ario Speedwagon with Gary Richrath again because yeah, he's gone. Yeah. Um, or and I know people thinking, wow, these are these are on far ends. Or Hendrix. Yeah. Because I was very little no, I... when I saw Hendrix, so yeah, it would it would definitely be something in that those two rounds. Yeah. I mean, I, I could also like like Santana at the Woodstock era, like yep. when he was that when he was doing that stuff, because like he sur- he very quickly became a parody of himself. Yeah, uh, it was. I know people shoot me, but I'll say like the Abraxas tour, like the tour they did right after uh, not Abraxas, but the one that had um, uh, Europa on it. Oh, like yeah. I've never heard a version of Europa live that I actually liked. Yeah, that was that was one of those things, you know, and that was the period when. Um, uh, you know, Braxis was the period when uh, Neil Sean from Journey said, "Hey, let's kick Santana out of the band." Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's kick Santana out of, Santana. out of his own band. No, I mean, I think so. He, Santana he later, <laughs> Santana later matured as a musician, and his tone got better, and his technique yes. got better. But the thing is, he lost all the fury that he yes. had when he was so young. At like, he was what, like nineteen at Woodstock or something. He was super young. Yes, and um, and um. Uh, when when Sean joined up with him, he was fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, he was, he was super skipping young too. high school, telling his parents he was going to high school and he was playing with Santana, um, but um, or something like that. But uh, when it came to um, uh, that kind of thing, I think I think I'd love to see Hendrix again because. There was a fire in Hendrix that I never got to really experience as an adult. Like I said, when I was before, when I was a kid, I didn't get it. It actually, it actually kind of was like, I don't, this doesn't speak to me, but now it, it, it does. Well, I'd also love to have seen Zappa. That's another big oh, one. Yeah. Just because, like, you didn't even care who's on stage with him. Because no. you knew they were just going to be killers, regardless. Well, he was, he, he was such a perfectionist. Um, yeah. 
you know, some of his some of his uh, bandmates might have called him a uh, a hole or whatever because he was he was very demanding, and very perfect. I've seen some yeah. interviews with his side folks, and they were like, "Oh, he was treacherously difficult." I think to- a lot of those people were just like, "We want the notoriety of being in his band." Yep. But and we're going to work really hard to do it, but we're going to hate ourselves for it. Yes. And it, so they took that hatred out not on themselves, but they took it out on Zappa. Exactly. Yeah. And. And in, and in reality, Zappo, like, he made it very clear to these guys, look, I'm looking for the top tier of musicians on Earth. Yeah. And I think, I, I mean, you you got to be nuts to think you're going into his band and you're going to be able to slouch and kind of do drugs and do all that fun stuff. No. And, you know, go on stage with him. Like, you got to be stupid. And speaking of somebody who didn't do drugs and yet doesn't have great politics, I would like to see Ted Nugent live again. I've seen Ted. Yeah. I've seen Ted Recently. many times. I I haven't seen him since. Um, uh, you know, can you take me high enough down and over such a day? What band was last that? time I? Last time I saw him was probably two thousand seven. Yeah, I want to say. He doesn't tour so it was a while ago. Often. He doesn't tour very. Oh yeah, often. he does. He tours. Yeah, but he tours. Yeah, he tours. All right, he tours the south. He does the festival circuit, and the, is what and, he does. Right, and he does the northwest or the mid, mid north, that where you uh, you guys are, because that's the festivals yeah. up there. Because he lives up there, it doesn't cost him much money to come down to Chicago area, because he's in Detroit. Well, he's in northern Michigan, but Detroit's, you know, his old stomping ground. But terrible Ted, man, the guy was. I mean, he. Swing out on the stage in a in a loincloth. He'll be at Virginia Beach on July sixteenth. No way. Nope. Sandler Center for the Performing Arts. Where the heck? You know, where is that? I'm in Virginia Beach. <laughs> Hold on, Ted Nugent. It's like a college. It's got to be. It's got to be something like that. Um. So yeah, go out there. I, I'll definitely be going. I'm gonna go. I'm getting tickets right freaking now while we talk. <laughs> I'm gonna go. He's, you getting, he's doing two nights. No, I know you're dead serious. He's doing two nights at the Arcada on July 27th, 28th, which is local to me. Nice. That's where I go see all my shows. I go to the Arcada. It's a small venue. It's an old vaudeville theater that they've restored, and it's like it's really nice. The, the seats kind of suck, but uh, you can usually get in there for pretty cheap, and like it's a good place to go because it's convenient. It's not hard to park. And holy yeah. smokes, two hundred and forty-five dollars for uh, seats Meet in the great. orchestra pit. Oh, well, you're not going to sit in the orchestra pit. No, I'll probably go to the balcony. A hundred and seventy-six dollars yeah. for balcony tickets. What? I'm not kidding. I'm looking at. They it. are ripping people. They are ripping people off. There is. It, no offense to Terrible Ted, but... No, he's usually not that expensive at all. I saw him for like 10 bucks. I was going to say... $176 each for a balcony ticket. What the hell So either I went to a really crappy ticket site... No, Jim. They're 46 bucks. Yeah, I got to the wrong. T- I'm gonna have to yeah. go to the Sandler Center. Let, let me let me send you here. I got the link right here. Yeah, you do that. It's- <laughs> so <clears throat> anyway, that's the thing. You know, we go see. Um, here's the here's the other thing though. 
Um, and it's getting time to close this one up. But oh another, yeah, for sure. Another thing we've to, been doing some riveting podcasting, buying tickets and shit. Yeah, well, for the last forty seconds. The other thing that uh, um we should talk about maybe next week is what about that band you went to see and it was going to be great and it was god awful. It was just terrible. oh yeah, I know the band already. <laughs> You've got one? I know the band already. Oh, I've, yeah. I've got a few. I've got a few. I went to see them. I was like, how do you make that much money? And as a, as a closing to our thing, so you know that I'm in a cover band, right? We do this song called Blister in the Sun by a band called Violent Femmes. And okay. um, I said to the guys, I said, I really don't know that song. I don't know much that came out after the 80s. They were like, Jim, they came, that song came out in 1983. <laughs> I said, really? <laughs> Sounds like a 90s tune. So, yeah, yeah, I, I must have uh, lived well, under a yeah. rock for the fall of That song came out in 1983. That's hysterical. It did. Came out in... Well, it wasn't on the radio in 1983. Yeah. Yeah, alright. So, Thanks, so, everybody. I have... I have been David... I have been Jim, and we have been the Practical Guitarists. Practical Guitarists.